Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Now it's time for um, our word, and we have Kathy uh, coming to, to speak to us this morning with a very special message from God. So let's welcome her up, and I'll just pray for her before she starts. Lord, I thank you for Kathy. And I thank you for the message that you have given her to share to us this morning. I pray our hearts and our minds will be open to receive everything you have for us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. So many lovely faces. Oh, I love this church. Okay, so I've had this message in me since July, okay? So I'm excited this morning to finally be able to bring it. And uh, God's put this on my heart for us as a church. And I think if, and I can say now that if we can grab the essence of what I'm going to say this morning, I truly believe that this is going to be transformational for each one of us and for our church, okay? So a lot has happened since July, hasn't it? So uh, I'm going to share some musings that I've had with you, okay? And then I'm going to bring the scriptures, and uh, I hope that that will bring us all an encouragement, um, but also a little challenge. It's good to bring a challenge, isn't it? You know, who likes a challenge? Yeah? It's fair to say I love a challenge. I love a challenge, you know? Yeah, studying a, a full-time degree in theology, working three days a week, doing my ministerial training. Seriously, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it's all good. It's all good stuff. And uh, as I returned from an intensive week of study in Manchester last week, studying the New Testament, um, excuse me, uh, I'm, I am spiritually energized, if what somewhat intellectually challenged, let's just say, Okay. But I'm, you know, I'm here to say that challenge is good. Challenge is good. It may not always feel that way. It may not always feel that way. But in the challenge, in the challenge, that's where we get to meet with God. That's where we get to connect. That's where we get to ultimately go deeper and grow. Okay? So there's something you need to know about me. And it might be a shock. It might not. It depends how much dealings you've had with me. But I'm not very organized. Okay? I'm really not. It doesn't come naturally to me. I have to work really hard at being organized. And uh, so in preparation for the pastors going off on sabbatical, myself and the staff team, you know, we spent quite a number of weeks and months preparing and scheduling everything, making sure that everything was in order, ready for them to go off and not have to worry. And personally, I literally planned my time to within an inch of my life. I got a diary. I got it all written down. You know, when I was going to work, when I was going to study, when I was going to write my essays, I got it all written down, yeah, just to make sure that I could meet all the deadlines that were required without putting any unnecessary pressure on myself with the added responsibilities that were going to come my way with the pastors being on sabbatical. Okay, so there I was, there I was in the starting blocks, yeah, feeling all smug, 
at the end of August, hyped up, thinking, come on, bring it on, bring it on, ready to press on, as we'd been instructed by Pastor Ali. And the starting gun went off, and bam, there I was, lying in the operating theatre on day one. <laughs> day one of the sabbatical, having emergency eye surgery for a detached retina, yeah, and I'd lost the sight in my right eye. What was that all about? What was that all about? Crikey, I've asked myself that question a few times, I can tell you, in the last uh, three months. But that's when the real challenge began. <laughs> that's when the real challenge for me began because I'd tripped and fallen flat on my face, literally, on day one of the sabbatical. And I remember sitting in the consultant's office. Claire Cooper was with me, so she can vouch for this. And uh, he told me that I'd have to spend, after the operation, 10 days posturing, which basically means lying flat, facing downwards for 10 days. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> Don't you understand? I've got a church to run in the absence of my pastors. And he was like, I don't care what you've got to do. I don't care what you've got to do. This is what you have to do if you don't want to risk permanently losing your eyesight. And I think it was at that point, I think it was at that point, wasn't it, Claire, that I sat and wept. I literally wept. And so there I was at the beginning of September with what felt like the challenge of all challenges. Because I don't do doing nothing. I simply don't do doing nothing. And I was so frustrated and disappointed. I had a gas bubble. They put a gas bubble in my right eye to uh, hold the retina in place. And my left eye was having to overcompensate for my right eye. So I couldn't see properly. It wouldn't focus properly. I couldn't read my Bible. Yeah, I couldn't read the books I needed to read to study. I couldn't see my laptop screen properly to do any work. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw the planning and preparation, an organization that is so alien to me, just slipping away and the benefit gone. And in that moment, in that moment, I had a God prod moment, as I like to call them. And he said to me, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am with you in this challenge. Be still and know that I've gone ahead. I've prepared the way. Be still. Be still. It's annoying sometimes, isn't it? But God knows everything, doesn't he? <laughs> he knows everything about us. And he knew that I needed to be still. Even though I don't do being still. So I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make in that moment. It would have been so easy to throw a pity party. Yeah? And sit or lie, as was the case, in my disappointment and frustration. Or I could choose to immerse myself in the life-giving God, in his presence, press on and trust that God would provide everything that the church needed to do what was needed to be done. And he did, didn't he? He did. So as an SLT, we had some clear objectives of what we wanted church to achieve during the sabbatical and the main objective was for our pastors to come back to a church that was healthier physically and spiritually yeah, a church that was unified and that had gone deeper with God a church that was thriving and flourishing 
And so as I bring the scriptures for us in a minute, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us as a church that that's what we've witnessed. That is what we've witnessed. A church that has grown numerically, a church that has pressed on, Sunday services that have been spirit-filled. And as John Pettifer, the godfather of our house, said when he visited a couple of weeks ago, a church with energy and vibrancy that is clearly flourishing and thriving. Those were his words. But God is a God of more than that. Yeah? And that's where I want us to go this morning. I want us to leave here this morning having gone further than we've ever gone before, having gone deeper with God than we have done before. Now, as a minister in training, I'm, I'm constantly required to critically reflect on my ministry. And so this morning, before I bring the scriptures, I want each of us to do a bit of reflection on how we've grown. How have we grown spiritually? How much deeper have we taken ourselves with God? What challenges have we faced? And to ask ourselves, what have we learned? What have we learned about ourselves since the beginning of September? So I'm going to give you 10 things, 10 things that I've learned during the sabbatical. Okay, I've, I've learned that church happens not because of the pastors. Okay, but because of God and what he is doing amongst us. Yeah, we are so blessed to have a church family who are committed to serving each other so faithfully. You know, I've learned that even in the challenge, I can achieve all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I've historically been a procrastinator. And uh, I tell you, God has supernaturally expanded my capacity in time. I haven't done it. <laughs> to enable me to achieve everything I've needed to do. And that includes submitting two essays on time last week. That didn't happen last year, I'm telling you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've learned that despite affliction... Being joyful in all things is what ripens the other fruit in me the fastest. I've learned to live for today. Live in this moment with God. Yeah, and not worry about what tomorrow brings. Because tomorrow, you could wake up with no sight. Yeah, tomorrow may never come. All of our tomorrows are in God's hands. That's all we need to know. I've learned that I can't be all things to all people. And as a leader, it's impossible to please everyone. And that's okay. That's okay. I've learned that because I've got such a soft heart, I've had to grow a bit of a tougher exterior. Yeah, believe it or not, people can be very critical at times. And it hurts. It does. It hurts, especially when you're doing the best you can with the resources you have available. Okay, she said she'd leave if I said this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've learned that it's a fallacy that anyone other than Claire Buckby runs this church. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Sundays wouldn't happen without our Claire. I'm telling you, it's true. She's amazing. And I wouldn't have got through the last two and a half months without her or the rest of the staff team, for that matter. 
<laughs> I've learned that church finance is a ball ache. Sorry, had to say it. <laughs> say no more. <laughs> say no more. I've learned that if you ignore that your car door doesn't shut properly for long enough, eventually it'll fall off. This actually happened to me last Sunday, <laughs> literally. Well, it didn't totally fall off, but the, the bolts that hold the top bit on had gone. And it literally, I got to the garage last Sunday after church, put my petrol in because I was heading up to Manchester on Monday, went to shut the door and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I had to drive holding the door open, change the gear, steer with one hand. It was teaming it down with rain. I got very wet and I, I just wondered how the heck I was going to get to Manchester the next day. I did wonder at one point if I was get well, once I'd shut the door because I had to lift it and shut it. And once it was shut, I wasn't going to open it again. I was thinking, right, I could do a star skin hook through the window. I could go in through the passenger seat or I could just have the roof down all week and hop in and out that way. But anyway, thankful. God is good. And thankfully, we have a wonderfully gifted Brillo in the house. He sorted it for me, and now it's even better than new. So thank you, Bruno. Thank you. And finally, and more seriously, you know, I've learned just how important it is to remain in healthy spiritual union with God on a daily basis. And also that a Sabbath rest is crucial. You know, I hit a bit of a low point in the sabbatical a couple of weeks ago for a couple of reasons. And then I had another God prob moment. I had another God prob moment. You know, my to-do list was increasing and increasing and increasing, which meant that my time with God seemed to be decreasing, decreasing. I was beginning to operate in my own strength, which in my experience can only lead to disaster. You know, and God was like, oi, hello, <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, lay everything down, Kathy. Lay everything down. It can wait and spend 24 hours with me in my presence. So I did. It's important, church. It's important. But in all seriousness, I know a couple of those were a bit silly, but how often do we sit back and reflect on what we've learned about ourselves in situations in life, you know, and what do we do about it? It's a good exercise to do, and it can help us to see things in our life that are maybe holding us back holding us back in our walk with God. You know, what do we want to see? Come on, don't tell me you've forgotten. What do we want to see in 2022? Breakthrough. Thank you, Sarah O'Connor. You know, and I believe that in order to see that, we need to be aware of these God prop moments. So the title of my message today is, Do You See It? Do You See It? So I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12, and it says this. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. 
He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see it? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there will become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En Eglim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Now Ezekiel was a prophet living in exile. Jerusalem had been um, invaded and conquered by the Babylonians. Yeah, they devastated it. They devastated Jerusalem. They plundered, they destroyed the temple. The temple was in ruins. They'd taken thousands upon thousands captive to Babylon. And these, including Ezekiel, these people were settled in, I guess, what we would now call a refugee camp. You know, people wanted to return to Jerusalem, but Ezekiel was telling them that, that before they could return home, they had to return to God. So Ezekiel, here we have him, he was a prophet in captivity in Babylon, and he had a series of visions from, from God, inviting the people to repent and turn back to God. Yeah, these visions showed hope and restoration and miracle-giving life. And this scripture that we've just read today is one of those visions. You know, it starts with an angelic being, a man taking Ezekiel to see the temple. Now remember, the temple had been destroyed at this stage. So he's seeing something in the spiritual dimension. And as he's seeing, he's looking at the temple and he's seeing a trickle of water, a tiny trickle of water coming out from beneath the threshold of the temple. And the water is going towards the desert. That's important to note. Yeah, the water here, the water here represents the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, verse 38, in the New Testament, it says this, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. As I said, Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit of a river of living water. And it's important to realize the origin of this water because it's coming from underneath the threshold of the temple. And uh, Ezekiel is wanting us, yeah, God is wanting us to understand that the source of healing and restoration, the source of our breakthrough is in the presence of the Lord, through his Holy Spirit living in us. And now as the vision goes on, something miraculous happens. 
this tiny trickle of water becomes a mighty river. And the man that was guiding Ezekiel here starts to measure this river. He measures it four times, we read. And every time he measures it, a thousand cubits, which a cubit is about from your elbow to the tips of your fingers. So a thousand cubits, about a third of a mile. And every time he measures it, we see it getting wider and wider. And he leads Ezekiel into the river. And we read that the first time he goes in, it's ankle deep. The second time, it's knee deep. The third time, it's up to his waist. And the final time, Ezekiel can't stand up in the water. And he has to swim. It's too deep to cross. And I believe that what the Lord is showing him there and ultimately showing us is that there are different aspects to our walk with God. So the first point I want to make is this. God pursues us right where we are, in whatever condition we are in. You know, there are some people who have only gone ankle deep. You know, there are some people who make that commitment, they receive Christ, they're saved, they'll go to heaven, the Holy Spirit is living in them. But their lives are not controlled by the Holy Spirit yet. For whatever reason, they're afraid to go all in. And the problem with being ankle deep in water is that we can still walk on our own, can't we? We can still walk when we're in ankle deep water in our own strength. We can walk against where the current naturally wants to take us. You know, there may be things that are holding us back that we're just not ready to give up in order to go deeper into the things of God. And if, if you're one of these people, I want to invite you to go deeper in the river today. You know, if you only stay ankle deep, you're missing out on so much of what God has for your life. You know, there are some that have gone a little deeper, some who have gone knee deep, others who are up to their waist. And here's the thing, if the waters are up to your waist, you're half in and you're half out. Yeah, I'm talking to those of us who have realized that there is more there's more in the Lord. We understand that. We have a desire and a pull in our hearts, but somehow we've just not gone all in yet. And if this is you, I want to say that God is pursuing you. And he loves you just the way you are. But he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. You know, God wants to bring you into a deeper relationship with him. And as I said, if you have this pull in your heart, the conviction, yeah, but you're afraid of the cost, you're afraid of what will happen if you truly go all in with Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus is worth more than anything you're afraid you might lose. Point number two, God invites us not to settle for less. Yeah, we must immerse ourselves completely. So I had a dream the other night. It was after my car door fell off, actually. It must have played a part, I think. And I was in my car with the lovely Lynn Tan. Where's she gone? Here she is. With the lovely Lynn Tan. And uh, the roof was down. I've got a convertible car. So the roof was down. We were driving towards the beach. It was a sunny day. And as we got, we drove down this road to the beach. And uh, 
I could see that the tide was right up to the, the road. We could, there was, the beach wasn't there, basically. It was just all sea. And we were like, oh, so we'll have to go and try and find another beach. And uh, I don't know where the beach was. I've got a feeling it was in Skegness, but I don't know. I don't think you can drive right down to the beach there. So anyway. Um, and as I was turning the car around, um, so the car was then facing back up the road with the sea behind us, all of a sudden, this tsunami-type wave crashed over us. It crashed over us. And, and we were drenched. I mean, literally, we were drenched. The car was flooded. The, the footwells were flooded. I couldn't drive because I couldn't push. The, there was that much water. We were absolutely drenched. And, uh, and then a second wave came, just as we'd sort of shaken off the water of the first one. It's so vivid. And, uh, and when I think about it now, it was really funny because Lynn was all bedraggled and all the hair was... I mean, Lynn never looks bedraggled. Lynn never looks bedraggled, but her face, hair was all across her face. And, and yeah, we, we were drenched. And, and as I was thinking about what this dream might mean, and uh, it only really came to me a couple of days later as I was thinking about today. I believe it was a confirmation from God that this message today is directly from him for each and every one of us, you know. God is saying, I have so much for you. you know, I have so much to do in you and through you. But I can't do it unless you are soaking in my life-giving Holy Spirit. Yeah, and the invitation I have for you from God is to come and swim in the river. Drench yourself, immerse yourself in the Holy Spirit. Another little story, because I do like my stories. When Lottie was um, around 18 months old, Lottie's my daughter, I took her to Centre Parks for the weekend and uh, we were in the lagoon area. I don't know if you've ever been, but they've got this most amazing lagoon area. And she was toddling along in a little bathing costume. And all of a sudden, she jumped in the deep end. She couldn't swim. But at that exact point, I knew that she had no fear of water. And even at such a young age, she had faith that somebody would pull her out. <laughs> it wasn't me. I was terrified. You know, but she was absolutely fearless. And I had to hold her hand so tightly from then on in. You know, it was a lesson for me that, you know, don't just let your child walk along the side of a deep swimming pool, you know. Um, but, you know, I had to hold her hand to stop her from continuously jumping in every time she was near the edge of water. And I believe that there are some of us here today that are stood on the precipice of something amazing. Yeah, but we need to take and we need to have that courage to take a leap of faith. And like the prophet Ezekiel, to go deep in the waters so that we can no longer stand on our own two feet actually, but can be carried by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that God's plans and purposes can be fulfilled. And as I mentioned before, Jesus said that if you believe in him, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Yeah? If you know your Bible, you know, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's what this is saying. The Holy Spirit will flow from the th threshold of the temple, yeah? Point three, as we immerse ourselves in God, we will experience salvation, we will experience healing, provision, yeah? A life that bears fruit in abundance. 
breakthrough. And in verse 6 of the passage I read, Ezekiel says, Son of man, do you see it? You know, when God asks a question in the Bible, it's important because that means he wants us to make sure we don't miss that point. So as he asks Ezekiel, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see trees on both sides of the river. Now again, this is amazing because those trees weren't there. Remember, this is a desert. This is a desert place. But what this is telling us is that the river goes into the desert places and brings life wherever it goes. And as we go deeper with God, yeah, our lives are changed. Our lives are transformed. And not just our lives, but those lives of people around us as well. And the vision doesn't stop here. The Bible says that Ezekiel sees the river flowing into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is a lake in southern Israel. Bit of a geography lesson for you now. It's about 1,300 feet below sea level. It's the lowest point on the earth. And it has no outlet. So when the water comes in, it evaporates. It evaporates and it leaves all the minerals and the salt. It's about eight times saltier than any other ocean on earth. Yeah? It's 35% salt. That's why it's dead. Has anybody been there? You haven't you, John? Yeah. Mm. You know, no fish or marine life can survive in it. But yet this river flows into the Dead Sea. What happens when you pour fresh water into salt water? Yeah, it dilutes it. Yeah, and ultimately it becomes fresh. Science lesson. Oh, you're getting it all today, aren't you? Yeah, and in this picture, we see the life-giving water of the Spirit overcoming death. You know, the Spirit of God will go to the lowest places, the lowest places of desperation in our lives to resurrect it and bring it to life. You know, and I know there are people in this room who have pain in their lives right now, or maybe because of things that have happened in the past. You know, and it's such a pain, we don't even like to visit. We don't like to go there. You know, and those are deep and dark places for you. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to go to those places and bring complete healing so that you can be free to live the life of fullness that God promises us in John 10.10. You know, I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance, have it in its fullness. But to do that, we need to immerse ourselves fully in the river. Now God wants to use our lives to make barren places fruitful. Yeah, and he's going to use us to bring life to places where there was only death before. He's going to use us to turn deserts into gardens. That's the purpose that God has for each and every one of us. band can come up please but just as the man asks Ezekiel I ask you today do you see it do you see do you truly see the purpose and plan 
that God has for your life. So the invitation this morning is to come. Come and swim in the river. Say yes to giving the Holy Spirit control of your life. Totally surrender. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a few minutes, but we've got the prayer team here. But another point I want to make is this. There was progression. Yeah, the river was becoming wider and wider and deeper and deeper. And as Ezekiel went in, there was an increase as he responded to the vision and went deeper in the Lord. You know, the river started as a small trickle of water. And there's a lesson for us all here. You know, sometimes what God is doing in our lives may seem to be little. And we might think, Lord, did you really promise these things? Lord, where's the healing I've been waiting for? Lord, when am I going to see my breakthrough? And the waiting room can be a hard place, can't it? You know, I've been waiting two and a half years to get my girl out of hospital. I'm tired of waiting. But I have to keep immersing myself in the river and just trusting and knowing that I am, not I might, I am going to see breakthrough. But the increase, the increase happened as Ezekiel went deeper. And what this scripture is telling us is that many of us may feel like we've been waiting on God for something. But the truth is, God's been waiting on you to go deeper. So that you can experience this increase, this breakthrough from immersing yourself fully in his presence. Now this is where the transformation happens. You know, when we go all in and immerse ourselves fully, allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives. You know, this is where we see the healings, the miracles and the breakthrough. And finally, as the river goes into the Dead Sea and the waters are brought to life, Ezekiel talks about the fish of all kinds. He sees swarms of fish. And in scripture, where we see a fish, it's a picture telling us about a harvest of the unsaved. Your church, I truly believe, I truly believe that the time for revival is now. More than ever. Everywhere the river of life flows, people are saved. Broken hearts are mended, lives are restored, and the transformational love of the Holy Spirit flows from within us. You know, there's a river flowing here in this place this morning. Do you see it? Do you see it? And now let me ask you, where are you in the river right now? And where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? And if the answer to that is fully immersed, and you have that desire, that pull in your heart, as I mentioned before. I want to encourage you 
to step off that precipice and dive right in and immerse yourself. You know, you can let go of all fear. You can let go of all sin. You can let go of everything that is holding you back because the Holy Spirit will carry you along in those waters. God has so much more for each and every one of us and for this church. You know, remember, God loves you right where you are. You know, this isn't any form of condemnation, this talk. This is an encouragement for us. God loves you right where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. Now, Rod and I were at the AOG area day yesterday, and I heard something that resonated with me. And uh, so I've pinched it. I've made it my own. <laughs> Thank you, Susan Hind. And uh, she was talking of walking a dog, so it was nothing... I'm not plagiarizing too much. And it reminded me of when I walked my dog, Poppy. And if you've ever met Poppy, she's a little character. She's a Romanian rescue. She's totally lovable, but totally precocious, totally untrained, totally disobedient. And uh, I got her initially so that I could exercise every day by walking her. And I soon realized that walking her is a real laborious exercise <laughs> because she stops at every blade of grass. She stops to smell every tree and every wall, every leaf, as she gets the scent of a dream catch of a squirrel. But so often as she's sniffing away, there's a squirrel, I can see it, just a little bit further up the path, merrily crossing. <laughs> and she misses it completely because she's so busy sniffing the grass. Let's not waste time getting caught up in just the scent of the Holy Spirit and miss the real deal. Because when you have the real deal, there's a deep satisfaction. A deep satisfaction is guaranteed. And so we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing Shekinah Glory. Again, what a great song. Whoa. Do you know, I don't know if it's an age thing where your eyes just leak. Yeah. But I just found my eyes leaking all the way through the worship this morning. Couldn't stop it. What a great song. But as we sing Shekinah Glory again, I truly believe the manifestation of God is going to fall in this place. And you can immerse yourself today. You can immerse yourself by symbolically walking through the river that's here. It's here this morning. Do you see it? Do you see it? The prayer team are here. They can pray with you. If there's anybody else from the prayer team, please come forward. And if you're only stand, standing ankle or even knee deep, or even if you've not even stood in the trickle yet, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus and you think, I want some of that life-giving, that life-giving water, that transformation, that breakthrough in my life, come, come forward. You know, you may want to just stay where you are. You may want to kneel. You may want to lie face down. We don't care. You may want to stand. You might want to stand on your chair so you can be closer. It's a fallacy, but you know, it's symbolic. 
it's entirely up to you. But the invitation is there. The invitation is there to come. So let's stand to our feet. Let's stand. Come. Come and immerse yourself in this river that's flowing.